0: Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to Sports Rivals. I'm Gary Thorne. Our purpose here on Sports Rivals is an attempt to preserve some memories of classic sports rivalries through the words of those who participated in those events. Now, when you say Red Sox-Yankees, rivalry is probably your first thought, and there's a good reason for that. Over the years, these two teams have created some of sports' best moments with some of the game's most notable stars. Today, here on Sports Rivals, we are delighted to bring two of those stars to you, Lou Piniella and Fred Lynn. Now, Lou played for the Yankees from 1974 through 1984, part of a 16-year Major League career. Lou was the American League Rookie of the Year in 1969, and he won two World Championships with the Yankees in 1977 and 1978, and that is the year, 78 We're going to be talking about a good deal today. Fred Lynn played for the Red Sox from 1974 through 1980. He, too, had a 16-year Major League career like Pinella. He, too, was Rookie of the Year. That was in 1975. And he also won the MVP award that year. He became the first Major League player to win both awards in the same year. Piniella, Lynn, they faced one another in what was a tumultuous 1978 season in which Boston lost a 14-game lead in the American League East in just seven weeks. In September, the Yankees came to Boston and they swept a four-game series with the Yankees moving into first place for the first time that season. That series has become known as the Boston Massacre. So you go to October one. Boston beat Toronto last game of the season, moving them into a tie with the Yankees for first, necessitating a one-game playoff. Move to the next day, October 2nd. The Yankees' Bucky Dent became a Yankee hero forever and a Red Sox curse for eternity when he hit a three-run homer in the playoff game that gave the Yankees a lead they did not surrender. And the Yankees would go on to win the World Series. Now our producer Jay Cutlow and I have had the opportunity to talk with Fred and Lou about this and now you're going to get the opportunity to listen in here on Sports Rivals. And I think probably the uh, best way to begin this, uh, Fred, let's turn to you. Let's take a look about the expectations in particular for the Red Sox going into that 1978 season.
1: Well, the 78 season, we were very much looking forward to it because uh, after the 77 season, we'd only lost to the Yanks uh, that year by two games. And uh, the Baltimore Orioles and us were right on their tails at the end of the season. So we were looking forward to 78, and we thought we had a heck of a chance. Uh, We got up to a great start. Uh, Everybody in the lineup was hitting. Uh, The pitching staff was going great. No one was injured for the first half. This is uh, Jimmy Rice's big year. Uh, He won the MVP that year, had over 400 total bases, and he was just tearing it up. And I was sitting in front of him, so I was getting pitches to hit. And Burleson and Remy were on all the time, so consequently we were scoring a lot of runs. Um, So the first half of the season, I don't know how many wins we had, but uh, it was a significant amount, and we were playing flawlessly. Uh, The only problem that I could see that was happening at the time, even though we were winning, is that the lineup was the same every day. uh, Zimmer would never change the lineup, nor would he take any guys out of the lineup. Even if we had a 7, 8, 9, 10 run lead, he kept everybody in there, which I knew sooner or later was going to bite us in the butt. Uh and more of that later. But I'll let Lou talk about the first half of his season uh from the Yankees perspective uh, to see what he thought about
2: it. Well, for me we felt good about our team also. We had won the World Series in seventy-seven and uh we added Goose Gossage to our arsenal of pitching. So we felt really good about our chances, and lo and behold, we got off to a terrible start. And the main reason we had so many injuries. Uh, our team, we couldn't get our team on the field probably till a, about the All Star break, and, and at, at the All Star game, we finally started playing good baseball, uh, got healthy, and we made a heck of a run the second half of the year. How we caught you guys, I'll never know because at the All Star game, we were fourteen and a half out, and you guys had just a, a, a great team, a really a great team. In fact. Uh, 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 my gosh, uh, you have a couple Hall of Famers, and there should be a couple more off, off of your team, uh, including New Freddy. But anyway, uh, um, it was we felt that if we didn't make a, a little ground up immediately after the ball game, I mean, after the All-Star game, that we couldn't, uh, uh, we, we wouldn't have enough time. At the same time, we had a new pa- newspaper strike in New York, and the newspapers were out of commission. And that's... You know, there was a, the Bronx Zoo and everything else going on at Yankee Stadium and in, in the New York area. So when the newspapers went out, they allowed us just to relax and play baseball. And at the same time, after the break, we went on a hot streak. Boston lost some games and, and, and sooner and, and real quick, we were about eight and a half out. So we were back in the game. But listen, we, we, we played catch up ball the whole second half of the year. and Finally, in September, we went to Boston four games out. And uh, we had the Red Sox in their ballpark. And then we opened up a few a few games, and we thought it was over. So, and um, Boston Austin came back at us and tied us the last game of the year. And then we had that memorable playoff game in, in Fenway Park uh, in October. And that's pretty, to me, that's the most fun game I've ever played. Probably more fun because we were on the winning side of things. But what a well-played game. And 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 what uh, what what a memorable game that that game stands out in in, in, in my mind as the most fun game pressure packed game I've ever played in.
1: Yeah, before I get to the playoff game, uh, I'll tell you what happened to our club in, in the second half. It's basically we flip flopped with you guys um, <clears throat> when I told you that all our guys were playing every inning. That got us. soon went down uh, with an uh, ankle sprain. That was a three-week deal. And Frank Duffy, uh, a very capable shortstop, uh, didn't get any playing time. So when he came in there, man, you need to just uh, spray him with WD-40. He was so rusty. Um, you know, and he didn't perform well. And then a couple other guys went down. Pitchings went down. And so all of a sudden we're in his, just the flip flop of the Yankee season. We're struggling to play 500 because of, we don't have the, uh, the right guys on the field. Sure. And, and yeah, finally in September, we got guys back. But by that time, uh, Bill Lee was in the doghouse with Zimmer and he wouldn't pitch him the second half of the season. Lee did not pitch against you guys in September. Remember, now, we tied you, or you tied us, or however you were. We ended up in a tie, 99 uh, wins apiece. If Billy pitches any game from, like, July on, and we win one more game, then there is no playoff game. But he was in exactly. the doghouse. And so we, we, you guys come in for that key series in September, and we threw a kid named Bobby Sproul. I mean, I didn't even know who he was. Well, let
2: me tell you this. I'm going to intercept for a second because one of the questions that I was going to ask you, we played that four-game series with you you guys around Labor Day, and we won the first three games. And then uh, the last day, you all had Louis Tion available, and you pitched Bobby Sproul. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, this kid must really, really be good because uh, Zimmer wouldn't take that kind of chance of pitching Bobby Sproul, Sproul on the fourth game. And boy, after I faced him the first time, you could see they he was really, really nervous. And I knew we were going to score a lot of runs that day, and we did. But boy, not pitching Teant was a big break for us.
1: Well, you know, what, Zimmer would get these bees in his bonnet, and he wouldn't play guys or pitch. It was really the pitching staff. The pitching staff didn't get along with him very well, the veteran guys. Um, you know, they knew how to pitch, and he was not a, a real uh, aficionado of the mound, let's say. And so they had a lot of disagreements. And so he would just not pitch guys. And when he pitched Bobby Sproul, eh, I mean, he couldn't throw it in the cage.
2: Uh, yeah. Remember, it was, yeah. It he was warm. awful.
1: Yeah. He was so nervous. His eyes were like saucers. I'm going, oh man, this could yeah. be a long day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it turned out that way. It really did.
1: Yeah. See? So then you guys beat us, you sweep us and then you take the lead and we won i think uh, 8 or 9 in a row to yes. get to uh, the the playoffs in fact you guys lost to Rick Waits uh the last day of the season little lefty from cleveland no and, question and uh, that uh you know opened the door for us but we played like gangbusters just to get to the
2: playoffs that that year there we were the two best teams in baseball whoever won the american league east and went to uh uh, postseason was going to win the World Series because the Yankees and Red Sox were the two best teams in baseball in 1978. You agree with that, Freddie?
1: I do, and we I, we thought just like you guys. Whoever wins this game, and it was a beautiful day in Boston, oh and we're just thinking, well, whoever wins this game is going to win the World Series because there's no no team that's even close to us.
2: No, not at all. Hey,
1: just going back one second when Lou talked about the you know the strike with the. Uh, newspapers in new york at one point of the season we're always curious as fans how much does the media affect you guys you know you're talking about the four game sweep which was termed as the boston massacre freddie how much does that get in your head or does it not get in your head and lou how much
0: you know does the the outside get into you guys because you guys are on the field and we're always trying to think of what you know what's actually going on just if you want to talk to that at all well, the
2: media in New York wouldn't leave us alone. I mean, we, that, that year there, we had Reggie on the team also, and, and uh, Thurman and Reggie were going at it pretty good all summer. And every day, there was just a different story in the newspapers, and, and it got really tiring. Everybody was just totally exhausted from reading the newspapers and listening to the media. And all of a sudden, they had this newspaper strike, and they allowed us to play baseball. We relaxed. We got healthy. And like I said, we made, uh, I think we won like seven or eight or eight out of nine of the first games after the All Star break. And, and Boston struggled immediately after the break. And we closed that gap to eight and a half games. And, and we were able to uh, keep our momentum going and our confidence that so we could catch Boston. But we knew it would be a real tough struggle because Boston had just a great team. It really did. The lineup they had, my God, it was as good as anything ever put together on a Major League Baseball field. They had a better lineup on the field offensively than we did. Uh, where we equalized a, lo- a little bit was we had a real nice bullpen with Sparky and, and, and Gossage and Dick Tidrow. And at the same time, Gidry that year was 25-3. and three. My God, it was, he was almost unbeatable.
1: Yeah, from the uh, perspective on the Boston side, as far as the media is concerned, it's very similar to New York. We might not have quite as many papers. But uh, boy, if we started playing poorly, which we were in September, um, you you couldn't get away from it Um, in not only the newsprint, but the talk shows. I mean, you couldn't even turn on the radio. There must be, yeah. I, I don't know how many ra- talk shows there were, but they every was, they were just beating us down and beating us down. Finally, you just couldn't read it. You couldn't read about it or listen to it. You just had to go put blinders on, to live your life off the field, but you couldn't listen. You couldn't watch TV. You couldn't uh, read the paper. You couldn't listen to the radio. You just went back to the stadium and, and then you felt comfortable with your teammates, um, although we, we had some guys that were not quite, um, Thurman Munson, and Reggie Jackson fighting, but we had some differences of, of opinion once in a while, because we had a, a locker room full of type A personalities. So, you know, and when you start playing poorly, everybody starts saying, okay, you know, what are you doing And you start pointing fingers. And then, uh, with the media, uh, thrown in there too, it's like a, a, a damn powder keg.
0: Well, with the tensions that were uh, existing in the clubhouse, did you ever step in when the guys were going at each other, or did you just leave that thing alone? Well, well I,
2: I, I, from yeah, my perspective, we, we just left it alone. I mean, listen, it was just going to play itself out. And the whole problem was Reggie basically, you know, he has a big, big ego, as everybody knows. But at the same time, this guy is a winning baseball player. And, you know, he likes the limelight. And at the same time, Billy Martin wouldn't hit him fourth in the lineup, and that made Reggie salt for a good portion of the time. And right around the All-Star break, we finally convinced Billy to give him a give, give let let Reggie hit fourth. That that's where he felt that he should hit, and he started uh, 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 hitting the ball much better for us. But let me tell you, uh, uh, there, there are two new, there are no two tougher towns to play in newspaper and radio talk show wise in Boston and New York. I can tell you that.
1: Yeah, if you can play in either of those cities, we used to call it the big stage, you can play anywhere. Um, But on the flip side, you could get an all-star performer, say, in a small market club, come to New York or Boston and not be able to handle it. They just, uh, I've never experienced anything like that. And they shrink like a a shrinking violet. They just, they they can't perform. Um, You know, fortunately for the Yankees and the Red Sox, we had a lot of guys that liked that stage you got to have some type A personalities to handle it, and we both played. But I will say this about uh, getting to the playoff game now. And everybody uh, in Boston always think about how Bucky Dent uh, beat us that day. And I talked to Lou many years ago. He was uh, managing for the Seattle Mariners, and I was working at ESPN, and I I did one of his games. and, And as far as I was concerned, Lou Piniella won that game, for the yankees that day first of all he was playing right field instead of reggie reggie didn't like the dh he liked to play but
2: lose a much he couldn't better play right field he couldn't play right field that day in boston that's no. a tough field to play with the sun you know they didn't have the double deck stadium then and and that ball of sun was right over the top of that uh single deck and i'm gonna tell you what it was a tough place to play and and you hit a ball off of Gidley, uh in the middle part of the ball game that Zimmer told me when he coached for me in Tampa Bay that he thought that would be or uh, uh, it would clear the bases. And I noticed that early in the ball game, pulled the 3-2 and two fastball off of uh, Gidry into the seats in right field. And I knew that Ronnie coming back on, on, on three days rest didn't have the fastball that he had earlier in the year or if he had a pitch with his full complement of rest, and uh, on that three and two pitch that you hit, uh, uh, Freddie, I, I moved it over myself about uh, maybe ten or twelve or fifteen feet towards the line, and you hit a you smoked one over to to uh, to the gate right there in front of the bullpen. And and the wind held that ball up a little bit, and uh, I was able to make the play. But uh, listen, uh, it was a it was a heck of a ball game. How about Bucky Dent hitting a three run homer? Hit- three home
1: runs all year. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I was at the home run early, and I'm thinking, okay. Um, I was like you because I hit Guidry the other way because, you know, he throws that nasty breaking ball. It's always away, and fastball's up and away. So I always try to hit him to left center. I didn't try sure. to pull him. And uh, we got a couple guys on. We're up 2 nothing, and I hooked a ball in the corner, and I'm thinking that's a minimum of double. It's going to no be 4 nothing, 4 nothing, and we got Guidry out of the game in which case you know we're into your middle relief and that game's over but you made that yeah. play and and what i tried to tell people um there's more to be to uh, play in defense than just having talent and what you were just saying to the people how you thought you know your pitcher didn't quite have as as normal stuff and so you made an adjustment well that's what really good players do and i when i heard you tell me that i said you know i I patted you on the head said, that's a really good play that's the kind of things that i think about when i look at my picture being from center field and I have a great perspective from there. Yeah, well, you did that field. and you saved the game. And then well, how about the game? How about tell the fans what happened in the eighth inning? Uh, no,
2: that was on. the ninth
1: inning. No, no, it was, was the eighth, eighth inning roosters on first and Remy hits a line drive to right. And you don't see it.
2: Well, that's
1: that was in the ninth, wasn't it? No, that was in the eighth. Cause in the ninth, it was, it was, we were starting to get to Gossage. And it was pretty much in the eighth inning, I think, is when this no, play Freddie, occurred. I think,
2: I, think, I, think, I think it was in the ninth because I think Burleson led off with a, a base hit. Uh, and and um, uh, then Remy hits his ball to, to right field. I don't see it at all. I told Bob Lemon uh, before about the seventh inning, I said, if the ball's hit on the line to right field, I can't see anything at all. I said, uh, it, it's hit or miss. And, and Remy hits his line shot over second base. And there were one, there was one out. And, um, uh, what I did, it was right. I, I backed up without panicking to give myself a little more chance for the ball, for the ball to come out of the sun. And lo and behold, it, I finally, it did it. It came out. I saw it. I caught it on the bounce. And then I made a heck of a throw to third base. Uh, uh, Remy, I mean, Carlson stayed on second. Then Rice flyed out to me in right center field. And then you all had the, 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 the tying runs at first and third for the winning run at first and the tying run at third with two outs and Gossage got Yastrzemski to pop up to uh, Nettles. Yep. That's right. Face. And up yeah, to the, what, w- that pop-up that Yastrzemski hit, it seemed to me like it never came down. It stayed <laughs> up forever. <laughs>
1: yeah. He took the, you know, in today's parlance, you know, uh, he hit what he, he, the, the the angle, you know. He was going for the the lift and separate angle there, launch angle, and uh, yeah, he hit it on the screws, but he hit it straight up. But but you straight basically, up yeah, you kept Burleson from going to third, and so then Rice's fly ball would have tied the game. No question. You know, then Yaz doesn't feel like he has to hit a home run; just get space hit. He might hit a double. Who knows? But I mean, you cost us three runs. Um, just playing defense, and we ended up well, losing that game five four.
2: One thing, you know, I always, I came up to the big leagues uh, late in my career, and, and, and I mean, I was 25 years old. I was the oldest rookie of the year in the American League. I stayed around until I was 42 because I had <laughs> decent hitting mechanics. But at the same time, uh, 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 when Bill Burden came over to the Yankees uh, in 1975, I think, he impressed on me that I really had to improve my outfield play and he made me really concentrate on playing defense, and he was totally right. And I, I credit him because he, I never worked so hard in my life uh, at the end of a fungo every day in spring training. And Bill Burden just hitting one ball after another. So defense counts when you're playing on, on, on good teams. And, and that particular day, Gossage got a two and two-thirds inning save. Unbelievable. That's unheard of in today's game.
1: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I was just happy to see Guidry come out. So even though Goose throws a hundred miles an hour, we're just happy Guidry's out of the game. And to a man, everybody's hitting Goose pretty, you know, we were moving the ball around uh, against Not him pretty good. good. Um, but you know, like I say, your defense, you know, obviously Bucky Dent's home run is a big deal. And I remember when he hit it, you know, Yaz thought it was going to go off the wall and I'm backing Yaz up and I'm watching the ball come down and it literally, hit the backside of the fence. I mean, it was just a scraper. It couldn't have cleared it by a foot. I went, oh. And Taco,
2: I mean, Torres was throwing great that day. He really was. He had a great sinker and a, a real nice slider. And you know what? I think from talking to, the, to, uh, to uh, uh, Taco, he told me that he didn't throw any warm-up pitches uh, after the long delay when he fouled on off his shin. And I think it cost him because he threw him a sinker that he wanted going away. And the darn thing just stayed in on the inside part of the plate, and Bucky just hit this fly ball, and we thought that it might hit the wall. We really did. We weren't sure. And this thing, when it went up to the into the net, and I saw Yashinisky drop his head, uh, uh, Boston, which was a real loud place, became very very silent very very quickly. <laughs> yeah, <then> Reg- <laughs> yeah. And then Reggie hit, and Reggie hit a home run into center field to give us a, a, a little cushion. And then you came back at us at the lat, lat, latter part of the ball game, and we held on. And uh, you know what's amazing is that we beat you all five straight times in Fenway. I don't think the Yankees have done that too often uh, to, a, to a real good Boston club. And we won five in a row: four in September, uh, four in September, and one in October. And that was a difference. Although you all came back to New York next uh, about three weeks later and beat us two out of three there in New York, also.
1: Yeah, you know, both of our clubs are good road clubs. You know, we could uh, manufacture route runs. We didn't have to have a home field advantage. And sometimes it was advantage to be on the road if the press was uh, on your case. And you, uh, you right. guys probably felt that same way. Boy, let's get the heck out of town so we can relax. Sure.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you a little funny story about, uh, about we lost it, like you said, in New York to Rick Waits uh, the last day of the season. And you all won, and now we got to go to Fenway to um, uh, to play off in this playoff to play in that playoff game. And we get to uh, to Boston uh, about uh, nine o'clock at night. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I'm going to sleep. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I was a little nervous. So I'm going to sleep, get a good night's sleep, and get to the ballpark early. I, I get to bed and I can't sleep, so I said, you know, I'm going to go over to my the watering hole down the street, Daisy Buchanan. <laughs> and Imagine have, that. Yeah, and have a good, have a little Jack Daniels in water and just relax a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm walking there, you know, um, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be in bed. I walk into the place and we had about 13 players over there and I really felt good about it.
1: You know what, uh, Lou? I um,
2: often felt that um in
1: big games the road team um had the ability to relax more by just doing what you were doing because that's where a guy that's where the team becomes a team I think when you all go out having a couple beers or whatever you're hanging out but when you're at home you got your family you might have kids you might have relatives in there's no relaxing not one little bit you that's can't do those point. things and you can't that's do those things point. so the visiting team they're out and they're just kicking the feet up, you know, having a couple of brewskis and talking about, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You're not worried about it. Then you come to the
2: park and you relax and, and you play better. And you play better, yeah. And and both the game was very, very, very well played on both sides. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. It was five to four, and and again, uh, the two best teams in baseball. Nothing even close to it. Uh, we swept Kansas City in in in, the, in in three games, and then we played the Dodgers and beat them for the second time in a row in, in, in six games that we were never threatened. So it was, a, but it, let me tell you what, that game sticks out in my mind as the most fun field game I've ever played in my life. And, uh, you know, they talk about the rivalry. Look, we didn't like the Red Sox, but we respected them. We really did. Uh, Thurman and and and, 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 uh, and Carlton had that rivalry going. Uh, behind the plate, but uh, let me tell you what, uh, we knew that Boston was a great team, and we we knew they were going to put runs up on anybody, and that's exactly what happened that day, and uh, I mean, and and Bucky, if if, if Torres just keeps the ball out over the plate a little bit, uh, Bucky's not going to do all that much with the ball, but he stayed down and in, and he hits his fly ball that goes about
0: 315
2: feet or whatever, (laughs) and and it's a three-run dinger, unbelievable.
0: Fred, let me ask you this: After the uh, one-game playoff, how soon after that did you talk with Bucky Dent, and and just how painful was that loss?
1: Um, as far as getting over the loss, I never got over it. Um, there's a couple things that I look back on my career, and yeah, like Lou says, it's it's uh, an honor to have played in one of the greatest games that ever played. Really, the that '78 playoff game. Um, game seven of the 75 World Series, which we lost. And in 82, I lost a playoff game, uh, to Milwaukee when we were ahead of them. So those kind of things I never get over. I still see me hitting that ball off Gidry, and I still see Lou running and (laughs) snowcombing the ball in the corner. I mean, I've never gotten over those things. Um, and as far as Bucky is concerned, you know what? He, he was back in the day when shortstops were, uh, paid to play shortstop and if you hit it was a bonus and so I mean he got the biggest hit of his career I remember he was going on to talk shows and doing all these things and he got all these accolades for winning the game and you know it was the biggest hit of his life um and like loose says he hit it in three hundred twenty feet um but <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's uh, it's just one of those things you know but I never got over it i you know it's those things haunt me um you know just, talking uh, about
2: yeah. talking about bucky, you know, he fouled that ball off his shin and Mickey Rivers uh was was the um lead hitter and he tells uh, Bucky, he he listen, use my bat he says uh, I, I I feel lucky with this bat. Use my bat so he switched back to hit that home run. <laughs> yeah, well, I I heard that story and I want to check that bat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean it that way. No, not at all. But you know it's amazing it's amazing when things are are, are going to happen they happen and you you're right Bucky Dent was just a, a really consistent uh a defensive shortstop he played excellent defense he had a, a really good throwing arm and he was a really good teammate but that particular year he didn't hit the ball much for power and he hit the biggest home run uh of the year for us and and uh uh, he's made a a nice living on, on the on the talking circuit from that time. <laughs> <laughs> and rightfully
0: so. Well, I think we're good on 1978, but a huge rivalry uh, that covers so many years. You mentioned the Type A players uh, that existed on both sides. Lou, in 1976, you slid into Carlton Fisk, and that resulted in a bench clearing that lasted for a long time. Uh, Tell us what we don't know about that.
2: Well, I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. I mean, <laughs> I, I could run the bases decent, but uh, I, I wasn't a speedster by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I'm on third base with one out, and um, uh, a ball's hit uh, Dwight Evans in right field, and Dwight Evans has got one of the strongest, uh, most accurate throwing arms. And uh, Dick Hauser, our third base coach, was ho- holding me up on the play, and I said, that, oh, with this, I'm going to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> That's that type A personality.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I did. I and 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 Carl was blocking home plate, so I I rammed into him pretty good. And and as we fell down, he stuck the, the ball right in my face, which, which is fine. I I mean, listen, he he wasn't trying to hurt me, and I wasn't trying to hurt him. But and and all of a sudden, we started throwing punches, and 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 it got out of hand a little bit. And I think Bill Lee got hurt by uh a uh, Nettles body slammed him over there uh, uh, in front of the uh, Yankee dugout. Uh, and I, it hurt Boston, uh, no question. But listen, there was a great rivalry. Listen, uh, the, the greatest rivalries in baseball are the Yankees and and, and and Red Sox. You got San Francisco and the New York and the uh, L. A. Dodgers, and then you have got the Cardinals and 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 the Cubs. So listen, uh, we everybody had. We didn't hate the Red Sox. I don't think the Red Sox hated us. Uh, I think we respected each other and and the fans and the newspapers created those type of rivalries more than the players themselves.
1: Yeah, from my perspective, you know, going into Yankee Stadium in the 70s there, um, I was always cognizant uh, when I was coming back to the dugout to put my glove over my head because stuff would be coming out of the stands from <laughs> bottles to grapefruits, darts, batteries, golf balls, you name it. That stuff was flying down on us. So, and, and Luke can uh, attest to this, there were more fights in the stands in those days well, than there were on the field. I mean, we used to tussle with the, the Yanks. There's no question about it, but there were always fights in the stands. If some lunatic Red Sox fan or some Red Sox paraphernalia in New York, he was asking for trouble and they got it. I mean, they were always duking it out at their place and our place. So obviously that, that spills into the, to the field and, I think most of it stemmed from Munson and Fisk. You got these two big type A personality guys. They're both catchers. They're both in the same division. We're just down the street from each other. We play each other like, seemed like every other day. And, um, so, and those guys like to talk. Um, as for, for me, I'm in center field. I'm away from all the action. You know, I'm I'm closer to the fans than I am to the, the, the fisticuffs when they break out. So when that that fight started, I'm in center field. Well, by the time I get there, there's piles everywhere. Well, I'm not going to that big pile at home plate because there's lots of stuff going on there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in the dance crew over here, and there's a big pile. And I'm, I I got my arms against Otto Velez, and I'm trying to yank him off the pile because he's doing no good. He's kind of digging where he should be. So I just wrap my arm, arms around him, and I'm pulling him off, and I feel this wow I get hit in the back of the head.
2: Oh, boy. I'm not.
1: I'm not letting go of Otto because he's a big boy. So <laughs> I still have a hold of him. But there's nobody there. I turn around. There's no one there. And I knew it couldn't have been a big guy because I'd have been laid out if it was somebody big. And it wasn't until I, I worked at uh, ESPN many years later and we're doing a, yeah, I think a Yankees-Red Sox game and it was pointed out to me I think by Mr. Cutlow that uh, they slowed down the tape and I could see Mickey Rivers just going around and ah, boom, boom,
2: just yeah. a little like little chicken punches yeah, make he, he,
1: quick. He, yeah make quick. He'd, he'd pop somebody and then run around and he'd be gone and you know I, I saw him years later and it didn't hurt me but I mean, I, you know no one wants to get in the head but uh, it, it didn't phase me or anything. And I, I just had to laugh because I, if you know Mickey and you played with him, you you can't uh, hate the guy. I mean, he just. No, just you got to love him. He, yeah, he just doesn't have that in him. So, you know, I, I wasn't one of those guys that, ah, I hate the Yankees. Ah, I respected him, like Lou said. We respected him. We played you guys like 19, 20 times a year. Um, but as far as. Uh, Throwing punches and stuff like that. If I have to be really pissed, to be honest with you, to to fight. You know, so if one of their guys had thrown one in my ear, yeah, that might have done something. But uh, you know, plays at second, or you know, I'm in the outfield. That stuff is not. It's, I'm I'm too far away from the action to to be directly involved most of the time.
0: Now everyone has seen footage of these brawls, but was there any payback in the games or years that followed?
1: No not that our not from our side, you know there was nothing if if there was a fight, you know Bill Lee did get hurt in that because it um, looked like it was over, and Bill said something and, and, and Nettles grabbed him by the arm and threw him down and hurt his shoulder. It was never quite the same after that, but um no, you know, even if you took somebody out back you know, the rules were different back then. I mean uh, double play balls you you tried to take guys out. Um yes. and, and and it was up to you the shortstop or second baseman to get out of the way because we're taking you out. And um and nobody really um had any retaliatory pitches for guys doing their job. Um I never remember I, I to be honest with you, I don't remember from either side the pitchers throwing it to hitters. I I just don't remember that. And it was all usually the fights happen by something that uh, on, on the field or break up a double play or some some play at the plate. But I don't remember anybody head hunting. I, I just don't remember that.
2: I don't either, Freddie. No, they, they were all uh, rivalry games, uh, well played games, and uh, both teams. I know I know we respected Boston. I really did. And we audit their lineup. I mean, I I can basically, almost 40 years ago, uh, remember their lineup. I mean, it was one hitter after another, left-handed, right-handed, average hitters, power hitters, about the only thing. They didn't didn't steal many bases, but they didn't have to. Our club didn't steal many bases either. You know, our club, what made our club hard to pitch to, I thought, was that uh, our right-hand hitters were more the right-center field, left-center field, average RBI-type guys, and our left-hand hitters uh, didn't hit for as much average, but they hit more for power, and it was more conducive for Yankee Stadium because of the short porch over there. So when we went to Boston, uh, what helped us was the fact that uh, our right-hand hitters uh, could could hit the ball for more power because we'd crowd the plate just a little more in Boston to make sure that we could hit it uh, to the the pole field.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that. If you guys made adjustments as hitters coming into Fenway Park,
2: yeah, we did. I, I know myself, I know Thurman, uh, we, we would crowd the plate just a little more and try to force the Boston pitchers to pitch us uh, inside a little more so that we could uh, 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 hit the ball for a little more power. Or in Yankee Stadium, uh, we'd get off the plate a little more because it was so deep out there in left-center field. Uh, and, 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 and we wanted to keep that ball off the line, the left-center field and right-center field. And we had a lefty-righty lineup all the way through Uh, uh, where Boston, Boston, I mean, outside of Remy and and, and, uh, and Burleson, and Burleson can hit a home run from time to time, too. Uh, Everybody else in that lineup, I mean, could hit the ball for power and and hit the ball for average. It was just a great lineup. It it really was, and it just amazed me. I still think about it today. How in the hell did we ever come back from 14 and a half games? Uh, and, And Freddie explained it with the injuries and so forth the second half of the year. But it was a heck of a pennant race. And, and to this day, I remember that year. And I remember that playoff game and the fact that we repeated as world champions.
0: To add to that, Lou, Boston had a big lead the season. And then the Yankees started making a comeback. And there were whispers of of 1978 all over again. Uh, Freddie, I'm wondering about the allegiance you still have with the Red Sox, uh, watching them now uh, from afar.
1: Well, for me, you know, this, I can I, I was signed by the Sox, so, you know, I, I have a certain allegiance to them and, and they to me, actually. And, yeah, I'm, I'm watching all the time Yankees' uh, uh, Red Sox series uh, all the time. And the last season was so unique that, I mean, the Yankees won 100 games and they're eight games out. <laughs> that's like, yeah. that's insane. You are you won 100 games and you're eight games behind. Um, you know, what the Red Sox were able to do last year, uh, as a team, is uh, I've never seen it. I mean, the, the Yankees in '78 won 100, and we won 99. Um, but this year, 108 games—that I mean, feels like you never lose. I mean, they never lost
2: four in a row. They never lost four in a row. Well, there's a lot more par. There were there was a lot more parity in baseball in the '70s than there is now. This I agree. Year, with you. There were a lot of bad teams in baseball. I mean, just a whole slew of bad teams. And the Yankees and, 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 and the Red Sox stood out. And what a job uh, uh, your manager, Cora, did with that team. He used the pitching exceptionally well. Uh, he, he, he used uh, uh, the lineup exceptionally well. And I thought Mookie Wilson was uh, the, 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 the MVP of the year. And, and, and I thought he was the best player in baseball, actually. And, and that's exactly what happened. So, But what a year the Red Sox had. They really did. And now the Yankees are beefing up. I was just talking to Hal Steinbrenner the other day here in Tampa. And he said, boy, we got to get some pitching to beat Boston this year. So it hasn't changed.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? You make a good point in that there uh, was greater parity when we played. I think in 78, there were five teams in the division that were over 500. In fact, you Not guys quite- were so far down that we were, you know, the Orioles and Milwaukee, they were like only five games behind us. So yes. we were. you never looked two or three teams behind you. We always felt the pressure – of those guys in the second half, because they were right knocking on the door five, six games out, that's not very many games. um It wasn't until you guys what passed them to get into second place is when that, we started you know to think stuff about a little
2: bit yeah that you know right stuff, yes,
1: and in today's game, like you said, there are so many bad teams and you know the the really good teams they just they slaughter these teams. So you can have yeah. these unbelievable. Well, he had three
2: teams with over a hundred wins, and I don't remember that happening ever. No, oh, no, it doesn't happen exactly right. Yeah, it's it, it's almost when in today's game. Uh, uh, probably when the season starts, there might be six or eight teams that uh, that 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 can. That you can look at legitimately and say they have a chance to go to the World Series. When we played, there were more like twelve or fifteen that could do that
1: easily. Uh, it, yeah, if you get yeah. catch a break, you know, guys get hot. Uh, they help starter go down. Yeah, key starter go down for um, the Yankees or the Red Sox, and and all of a sudden, Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, Baltimore—they're in business.
2: No question. No question.
0: Uh, Maybe the best way to end this great discussion, guys, and we really appreciate it. It's just absolutely wonderful. What's the best memory? What's the one that you take away with you for a lifetime uh, regarding this this rivalry in that that season?
2: To me, it was, truthfully, my favorite park to ever play in was Fenway Park. It really was. It was a fun place to play in. Uh, The fans were right on top of you. It was a a good offensive ballpark. I mean, if you could hit there, you, you, I mean, if you were a decent hitter and you knew, knew what was going on at home plate, you could have a decent day offensively. And, and, uh, that's what I remember the most truthfully, of playing in Fenway park. Uh, I, I love playing in Fenway park. I love uh, staying uh, downtown and, and, uh, I love the city of Boston. In fact, when I retired uh, uh, in in 84, uh, they announced my retirement there in in Fenway, and the fans gave me a a standing ovation, and I I had tears in my eyes. I was so moved. And and Boston's always been a great sports town, uh, the way they supported the Red Sox and the rest of the teams there. And it's a great town, what can I say? And, And it was fun for me to go there and play against the Red Sox, and Fenway Park was my favorite park to play in.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that. Fenway is my favorite park to play in as well. Um, I was kind of built for it. But the favorite, my favorite enemy ballpark was Yankee Stadium. I enjoyed, I absolutely enjoyed being a Red Sox player coming in there with 55,000 people hating you. It was it was just electric. I I just loved it. I mean, yeah, all the booze blah blah. I just loved that stage. And when I got a little bit older, I got a little bit bigger, a little stronger. And Lou might be even impressed by this one. I hit a home run off Rudy May to left center. Left oh, that's a long center.
2: poke. <laughs> that's you a know, long poke.
1: That's a. I mean, that's the furthest ball I ever hit the other way. Was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nine miles out there. But I just enjoyed every game there. Um, it, it was so intense. Um, you, you felt alive, and even after the game. I mean, you don't, you don't go to bed till like 3 in the morning. Uh, yeah. The city's just waking up. But, you know, we used to start games. Uh, ABC Game of the Week started at 8.40. 8.40. Start. So by the time you get back to the hotel, it's 1. You go out and have a couple... Um, hot toddies. Brewski's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, It's all of a sudden two, three in the morning, and the town's still, still jumping. Uh, it was just a great place to play. I, I loved every second of it, um, going yeah. there. And then obviously the rivalry, because they were always good and we were always good, and so in, in the stage was so cool. Uh, it's and every once in a while I make a defensive play, and you, you just fifty five thousand people go silent. <sighs>
2: Oh, yeah, that's that's the the
1: coolest thing. It's (laughs) the coolest thing when it just gets real quiet after you made a play that take away a a run or a hit from a a Yankee player. That was the best.
2: Yes. You know, I was blessed that I was able to wear a Yankee uniform. I got traded there from Kansas City in in 1973, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life for an owner like Mr. Steinbrenner that uh, loved winning and, and 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 spent the money to uh, put a good product on the field uh it was a blessing for me and and and, and truthfully uh, uh, uh those are the moments that I cherish the most now I managed for 23 years in the big leagues uh but I tell you what the thrill of putting on a Yankee uniform and stepping on the Yankees stepping out the Yankee Stadium uh, uh unsurpassed in my career
1: well, I'll tell you something you might not know. When I was in high school, I was drafted by the Yankees. Um, oh, boy. I, I was supposed to be the next Bobby Mercer. And uh, yeah, so they scouted me from the time I was 15 years old. Uh, I I even played on a team called the Pasadena Yankees, and I wore Moose Gowan's old uniform. It had Gowan oh, stitched into it. So I played, I was a Yankee guy from the time I was 15 till 18, and I was drafted by them, and then I went to SC to play football and baseball instead but yeah i could have been a yankee very
2: easily well freddie you know the amazing thing we're up here in tampa florida and my hero growing up was ted williams so i was always a red sox fan when i was uh growing up here in, in in tampa because of ted and uh uh i you know i i, I never was in the yankee i mean the red sox organization but i i, I got traded to the yankees and, and boy what what a blessing that was and, and you know, when you play in a small market like Kansas City, and 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 you mentioned it before, some guys can adjust to the bigger stage, and some guys just don't quite uh, 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 make it. And and I, I, you know what? I was a little nervous the first time I put on that uniform in spring training, and 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 soon, and when we got to New York, and and the thrill of walking in the Yankee Stadium, where so many great players had played, and and they had won so many World Championships. It was just a total blessing, and it's the best thing that happened to me in my whole playing career.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I felt the go of the past. That's why I
2: like the old stadiums, and I
1: felt um, privileged to have played in our era because, I mean, I, I'm in Yankee Stadium, in, in and Yank, in, in Mickey Mantle's standing where I was standing, you yes. know, Joe D. Um, all the greats, I'm just like, this is so cool. <laughs> this no is
2: question. so
1: cool. <laughs> <No> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm standing in the same spot. So that was uh,
2: why, why were uh, all these older stadiums, the ones that were most fun to play. And I enjoyed playing in tiger stadium also as a hitter.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, uh That was a wonderful place to hit. If you get the ball in the air, that's for sure. No, uh, yeah. Question. but question. Every, every ballpark that we played in had just some kind of unique quality to it. Um, unlike today's stadiums. In fact, as you know, Lou, that most of the baseball fields that we played on were stuck in football stadiums, and so a exactly. you know, football field ran right through most of our field, and I'd say at least half of the stadiums that we played in uh, yeah. were multi-purpose and they're uh, basically for football, and they threw baseball in. And now today's players are so fortunate where they just play baseball and the fields are, are like pool tables. They're immaculate. Yeah,
2: perfectly manicured. No question. Yeah,
1: not right. like in how about, how about how bad the outfield was in New York? I mean, yeah. you ran from second base, you went downhill into the center and you went back up the hill and then if you went to right field yes. went back downhill again. <laughs> yeah.
2: No question. No question.
1: <laughs> oh, great fun, Lou. Great fun. It was, it
2: was, it was Freddie, And, uh, uh it, it, you know, I, I feel fortunate we won in '78 and repeated as world champions. But truthfully, that the team you guys had, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm positive that if if we hadn't won that ball game, you all would have met, been the world champions that year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and that ends another chapter of sports rivals. We extend our deepest appreciation to Fred and Lou. I mean, getting to hear these guys talk about. One of the great seasons of Major League Baseball between these two teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees. And I think it's just a, it's just a real treat. And to learn more about uh, this podcast and other episodes, we invite you to log on to thesportsrivals.com as you can join the conversation. We're always happy to hear any questions you may have about the programs and any suggestions for future shows that you'd like to hear. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at thesportsrivals. On Twitter at Rivals_Podcast, and on Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Well, rivalries exist in sports. To hear about them from the guys who participated, we think's one of uh, a fan's great delights, and we hope it was for you today. Thanks, everybody.